Hey everyone, we're back this week with our new health series called Hormone Happy Hour that I do with Kea Perowit, my dear co-host on the series and co-founder in our business, Bia Wellness. And every Wednesday, Hormone Happy Hour will feature an in-depth interview with a leading women's health expert. Each expert will teach you step-by-step how to eat, think, and move in a way that is designed to help you feel great and create an abundance of energy in your life so you can build your own empire. Empire. Now let's jump into this week's episode. I hope you enjoy it. Yasmin, today's episode was pretty emotional. I think that there were a few times where both you and I felt that we could cry, um, especially leading up to our period. So it kind of got me thinking, what are your thoughts on just crying if you need to cry wherever <laughs> you are in public? <laughs> you know, I love this because I cry actually a lot. I mean, I know you've seen me cry. I've cried like giving like feedback to our team, like positive feedback. Like I, I'm a happy crier as well as even when I'm not happy, I have no problem releasing. But today on the podcast that we were interviewing, I don't know if you saw me, but I also was like very much tearing up. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm about to straight up cry in this interview. And when I cry, it's not cute. It's like an ugly cry. The face shifts. Like I don't look cute at all. Um, but I'm laughing because I definitely have tapped into my emotions versus I would say five years ago. And sometimes I think if I didn't have emotions cause I was on birth control, I, that's just something I'm always curious about because I'm so tapped into crying my emotions that I never used to be like that. So it always like runs around in my head if it was a, you know, birth control situation that I wasn't as tapped in, oh but how about you? What's your relationship with crying? Do you release when you need to? Well, that's super fascinating, and I think we can do an entire episode on what birth control does to your brain chemistry because there's so many different things. There's like cases of people being in a relationship or in a marriage with someone and then coming off birth controls and being like, who is this person? I don't want to be with them. Um, it's super fascinating, but same. I, I, I definitely wanted to cry a few times in this episode, especially because Dr. Anna shares a lot of her personal story, and I think... There's times where when somebody is being so vulnerable and I want to I want to cry, but I also don't want them to feel like they have to hold the space for me yeah. because they're being so vulnerable. So it's a really tricky thing. But um, crying is such a good release. And sometimes I just feel really a lot better after a good cry. So I'm, I'm all for crying when you need to cry. 100%. And it's true. Like, we're both in our luteal phase. I feel like every time, I mean, we do these interviews once a week, but I feel like every time we're talking, we're on our luteal phase, but I'm definitely a lot more emotional, more in touch with how I'm feeling. And you've actually reframed my perspective around this time of the month of just like looking at it as a positive thing and really a time to reflect about how do you really feel about certain situations. So I want to thank you for that because all day um, I've just been reflecting a lot tapping more into my emotions and just kind of thinking about all sorts of stuff. So totally. It's a very interesting time and it can be a powerful time if we let it be, but I'm really excited about today's episode. I think everyone is going to love it. Our guest is Dr. Anna Kabeka. She calls herself the girlfriend doctor, the first call for women who have questions they would only ask their best friend if their best friend was a triple board certified OBGYN, I love that. Mm-hmm. She's committed to supporting women so that they can thrive physically, emotionally, sexually, and even spiritually as they go through 
the natural and inevitable life shift of menopause. She works with women to tackle fatigue, depression, weight gain, loss of libido, vaginal dryness, hair loss, and more. And she's the author of The Hormone Fix, Keto Green 16, as well as a book called Menopause. She also has a suite of life-changing products and programs, which we talk about in today's episode, and she uses them daily, and they're based on her research to help women reclaim their vibrancy, sexual health, and happiness. So let's dive in. Well, Dr. Anna, we're so excited to have you here today. We're going to be talking about a whole host of topics, but before we go into it, I'd love to start with the basics and get your thoughts on what is happening to our body when we're going through perimenopause and then menopause. Oh my goodness. <laughs> like, where do we start? I would like to say it's a, it's a smooth transition, but if you guys can remember back to puberty, like there's, it's, there's turmoil going on in your body. There's a lot of change and perimenopause and menopause. It's also a journey and it, it can last from 10 to 15 years and if not longer, you know, and what's happening is that our hormones start to shift really in our you know mid to late 20s with losing a precursor hormone or a pro-hormone that makes testosterone and estrogen and that is the hormone DHEA so we start to see a shift in this you know pre-reproductive hormone and in our 30s we start to lose more of our ovarian hormone predominant hormone progesterone and so with that decline in progesterone we can feel more anxiety, more PMS, breast tenderness, uh, brain fog, irritability, mood swings. And I always tell my clients, if you only hate your husband two weeks out of the month, it's likely your hormones, not your husband, if it's only two weeks. So I mean, is that a hormone? Because physiology affects our behavior. So we're getting this physiologic shift during this time period. And really because the, like the mother hormone, progesterone, is really declining during this phase. So you mentioned DHEA. So we talk to a lot of people who come back to us and say, my DHEA is really low and they're pretty young. Like they might be in their early 30s or something. Is that a sign that things could be headed in the wrong direction or what's going on with that? Yeah, that's a really good question. So DHEA really is predominantly produced by our adrenal glands and our ovaries. And as we are, you know, um, declining in fertility, you know, tail, en tail ending our reproductive years, there's a natural decline in that precursor hormone DHEA. So think of it like I always think, say, you know, where your adrenal glands are, if you make your hands in two fists and then put them around your back and you're kind of banging on your kidneys, on the top of your kidneys are the adrenal glands and they're known as the fight and flight responders. So in times of stress, we're, we're pumping out a lot of uh, adrenal hormones. And so that in specifically cortisol and cortisol can lead to a depletion in all our reproductive hormones, DHEA, testosterone, and estrogen. And so when the DHEA levels are low, I always think stress, number one, what's going on with your stress? Stress we're aware of and stress we're not aware of, right? So post-traumatic stress adverse childhood experiences or ACEs that are under the surface causing a hyper sympathetic physiology. So that fight and flight physiology under the surface, no matter how cool and collected, we can seem on top. So looking at heart rate variability to assess that becomes important. So think of number one stress and number two, hormone disruptors, toxins. 
endocrine disruptors, hormone disruptors, what's coming into the their food train chain, are they drinking hot coffee off of plastic with plastic lids on it, drinking out of plastic bottles? What's what are they washing their clothes in? What are they using on their body, cosmetic and and otherwise? So those are the two big things. You're saying that environmental toxins can raise our cortisol. Is that right? Environmental toxins can decrease our, you know, interfere. They act as hormone disruptors. If they're inflammatory and they can be pro-inflammatory and because they're um, naturally competing with our body's endogenous hormone production, that can create inflammation and that can increase cortisol. Absolutely. Before we jumped on this, you were mentioning oxytocin, and I've heard you talk about the relationship between oxytocin and cortisol before, but let's talk about this. What is oxytocin, and why do we need it? How do we promote it, and what uh, kind of brings it down, too? Yeah, so this is absolutely my favorite topic. This is absolutely my favorite topic. So first of all, you know, I studied as a gynecologist and obstetrician at Emory University, and I studied all the hormone pathways and reproductive pathways. And I can tell you the, the, you know, enzymes to make one hormone and another. I mean, you know, I had this down. And so all my focus were on these reproductive hormones and their pathways. And what I came to recognize through my own story and through my own journey is that those are minor hormones. And that when we, when it comes to improving the physiology of a woman, specifically women and men, but specifically women, we have to look higher up. So that's, we have to regulate insulin and cortisol because if they're not behaving well, none of our reproductive hormones are behaving well. And then the most important hormone in our body, which I consider the crowning hormone, the queen hormone, is the hormone oxytocin. It is a regal hormone. It is a hormone of longevity, love and relationships and connection. And it is is alkalinizing to our body. It is regenerative to our body and it is the most powerful hormone. And I appreciate you bringing it up because oxytocin goes to war with cortisol on a regular basis. And I never understood that until I went through it myself with our own trauma, with our, you know, own tragedy. And then cortisol was king. It was in the lead because of post-traumatic stress disorder because of chronic everyday stress and, you know, pedal to the metal, hypersympathetic tone in crisis mode, fear-based mode, when's the next bad thing going to happen, right? And so that creates this seesaw effect. And it makes sense evolutionarily because we think if we're at war, we've got high cortisol that is going to oppose oxytocin. So cortisol goes up and oxytocin goes down. Cause when you're in like that fight or flight, it's not like, Oh, let me stop and help someone or let me hug my neighbor or my enemy. You know, that's not, that's not the hormone of fight and flight and stress, right? That's a survival hormone. So you're in this state where you're high cortisol, low oxytocin, but what happens over time, and I didn't realize this until I experienced it. What happens over time is that the paraventricular, like cortisol is frying out your nervous system, right? It's that natural steroid and it's, you know, you're, you're basically, um, overstimulating your entire nervous system. So the paraventricular nucleus defense mechanism says, okay, I got to shut you down because you're frying me out. And so it's sometimes called this low, then you get this low cortisol and people have misnamed it adrenal fatigue or, but it's really adrenal hypofunction because now you're in this suppressed, suppressed state. It's not your adrenals can't produce cortisol. It's that you're being suppressed. So you're in this revving engine state now. 
And so it's like the break is on cortisol, but what happens is oxytocin stays low at the same time. So you're in this state, this physiologic state of low cortisol and low oxytocin. And what that feels like, it's the physiology of burnout. I used to love going into my office, but I don't even want to go in anymore. I used to love going to visit my friends. I used to love my family. I don't feel love for them anymore. I, you know, it's the physiology of divorce. It's the physiology of depression. That is a physio, you know, physiology affects our behavior. And this is the most dangerous physiology that we can deal with. Wow. There's so much that resonates here. You know, actually just talking about my own personal story, I think it was like four weeks ago, it was a weekend and, um, I clearly love everything that we're doing here. And I remember looking at my husband and being like, I don't feel joy. Like I don't feel joy seeing friends right now. I don't feel joy with work. And like, I've created this beautiful life for myself where I'm genuinely so passionate about everything we're doing that I was like, what is going on with me? And I think it kind of goes back to what you're saying. Like I just had a really busy two weeks. I wasn't doing all the health protocols and I felt low cortisol, low oxytocin and not like myself. Like that definitely resonates. So I'm curious for someone who's feeling that way. That's like, Dr. Anna, I used to love going to work. I used to love being with my coworkers or like spending time with my mom, but I just don't feel like myself. What would you say to them? What are some things that they can do starting today to kind of get out of that imbalance? So this came to like, this is part of what I call the keto green lifestyle, the keto green way. In my first book, The Hormone Fix, I talk about the multiple uh, facets and it takes more than hormones to fix your hormones, number one. But um, this whole, like, if we have to address the hormones top down, the most important ones to fix our physiology, we have to decrease cortisol. So we do that by getting alkalinized, you know, focusing on alkalinizing foods, good, healthy plant foods and sprouts and fermented foods and things that are minerally nutritious to our body. That's, that's a piece of it. And the other thing is the alkalinizing behavior, the alkalinizing mindset, toxic thoughts are acidic, happy, joyful, grateful thoughts are alkaline. So here we have this physiologic connection now to decrease, to help regulate cortisol, to decrease the acidity that comes from being in that catabolic in a revving engine state and, um, and then manage insulin at the same time. So the low carb, um, that's why one of the reasons I love your shake at BO wellness is because it's low, like low glycemic, you know, high fiber, good, low glycemic. So you're not pouring sugar into a blood, the bloodstream, cause that's going to raise cortisol too. So we want to become insulin sensitive. So getting keto green accomplishes those two things. Now you're managing these very important, um, hormones, educator, I call them educator hormones. So you're getting insulin sensitive and you're getting alkaline. So you're managing insulin, you're managing cortisol, those two things, both with nutrition, diet and lifestyle. So intermittent fasting, low carb, high quality protein, all of that good stuff. That's a piece of that. And then to bump out of it is most importantly is to start your day with oxytocin increasing behavior. So sometimes you don't feel like having sex with your partner, but play, massage, um, foreplay. I would say foreplay starts with bringing me a cup of coffee in the morning. I mean, that's it. That's it. That's important. So knowing what makes you happy and before I, and a practice, because I've been through, you know, I've been to hell and back. So the trauma, the practice that I created that I really, um, recognized shifted my physiology is before I, and I do this to today, is before I open my eyes in the morning, I think of, you know, what am I grateful for? Where did I see love yesterday? Where was I loving? Where did I feel love, right? That's question two. 
And then where could I have laughed at myself or the situation more? You know, where did I laugh or could I have laughed more? Those three questions, each one of them increase oxytocin, decrease cortisol. You are focusing on the positive. There is so much to that mindset, the attitude of gratitude, focusing on what is good. Biblically in Philippians 4, um, chapter 4, verse 8, it says, focus on what is, I'm going to butcher it, good, lovely, of um, noteworthy, beautiful, I mean, all these good things. Just focus on what is good, lovely, kind, um, helpful, healthy, all those things in your in your life. Focus on that. And keep your focus on that throughout the day. So you're really seeing the good and the joy and the beautiful. You have to retrain your mind when stress physiology is trying to take over. You have to absolutely constantly renew your mind and refocus your mind on all that is good with like light laser, laser focus so that you can, you know, you can shift and re, um, wire your physiology and, and make yourself do the things that that you're not feeling called to do. And those are the things that bring you pleasure, that bring you happiness, playing with a pet, going shopping with a girlfriend, um, you know, watching a funny movie. You know, I always say my big fat Greek wedding, that's a number one way to increase oxytocin. <laughs> so things like that to increase. And, and what I recognize as part of my journey, and this is at around my uh, late forties when I was going through what I call my second menopause, and um, I was I was figuring out this whole Keter Green way and I and checking my urine pH. I mean, it's so easy. Just check your urine pH, check your ketones. And I and I was and as I was focusing on a more of a ketogenic diet, it was so acidic and it was a hot moment to me. To, that's where I started adding the greens and the alkalinizers because I knew that if my body is acidic, it's going to be breaking down muscle and bone and aging rapidly. And it can't have that. So. So focusing on the alkalinizer, and I recognized that the mornings I did my gratitude journaling, I did my, um, I walked on the beach, my urine pH was more alkaline all day. So that's when I went back to the research and said, what's going on here with physiology and cortisol and oxytocin? Like, what's the reason? Like, what's affecting our, our, our renal physiology to actually actually affect them. And that's why thoughts are so important. Wow. I definitely want to talk more about Keto Green, but first I want to hear a little bit more about your story because you mentioned, you know, some of the trauma that you went through. Um, maybe I think it was in your forties when you went through your second menopause, but I want to kind of backtrack and, and, and have you walk us through. You're a triple board certified OBGYN. You were trained traditionally. At what point in your career did you think, man, lifestyle, everything we do, our thoughts, all of this comes into play. It all makes a difference. Can it walk us through your journey? Oh, oh my goodness. Yeah, no, it's, um, you know, I think the first thing I realized is, you know, I'm first generation American. I saw my mom, who's an immigrant to this country, and her two brothers all die before their um, other siblings in a war-torn area of the world. And that made me very curious. Wait, we had intervention. We had heart surgeries, we had colon surgeries, and all my mother and her two brothers in the US and the two youngest brothers, and my mom was a middle child, but out of nine. So um, they all died before uh, several of and in fact, you know, 26 years ago, my mom passed away and her sister is still living. So it's and brother. And so like this, that made me look, what are we doing interventionally for our patients? And I promised my mom, I would figure this out. 
And, you know, it was 26 years ago when she passed away and I wouldn't let this happen to anyone else. And then life goes on and all of a sudden I'm on the, on the road to I over, I was over 240 pounds, struggled, you know, with uh, depression, mood swings. I was certainly on the way to diabetes and, um, and we had tragedy hit us and we're, we in, in a tragic, in a, in a day, in a tragic accident, we lost our only son and he was just a toddler. And, um, and from there on, uh, the grief, the trauma, I mean, I'm mean, literally to hell and back to the depths of hell. And, um, and through that understanding, a piece of that was how do I want my children to face my daughters? I had two children my three daughters at the time, my stepdaughter and my daughters, Amanda and Amira were nine and six. And how do I want them to face adversity? How do I want them to face trauma and to keep going as a result of that? And my husband and I at the time wanted to have another child very badly. And I went through, you know, uh, having not had trouble getting pregnant with any of my earlier children. I went, ended up going through round after round of the highest doses of injectable fertility meds and not having any ovarian response and then being diagnosed by my reproductive endocrinology colleagues, best in the business, as early menopause and irreversible infertility. And potentially my only option would be egg donation, which we weren't wanting to do at the time, it was not for us. And so that literally took me on a journey, a uh, healing journey where I went around the world looking for answers. I needed to grieve in private. There was that part of it because I was in Southeast Georgia and I was a very well-known physician and am. And, um, and I needed that. I didn't want the world to continue the way it was like nothing had changed in my life and my heart had been ripped out. And and so part of that, my meditation, part of healing has always been travel, has been exploring and I have family around the world and everyone opened their doors to us and we just, and in some places I just explored and I learned about, you know, herbal medicines. And this is where I learned about maca that's in my Mighty Maca Plus from Peru and, and then about cat's claw herb and the potent, you know, potency of turmeric and, and green teas and grapeseed and all these other key ingredients that I ended up putting together. And, um, it was just, you know, it was just, I was just learning and I was just grieving and I was just trying to figure out. And in Peru, they would say, well, maca helps with infertility. And they would elbow, you know, my husband at the time and say, it's the Peruvian Viagra. So like, I was joke, you know, we're drinking some maca there, but I couldn't stand the taste. And I'm from a family of chefs and gourmands. And uh, so I started mixing it. Maca is good and it's rich and these super, you know, this super, uh, you know, adaptogenic qualities, what other superfoods are out there. And that's where I started to explore and experiment and which ones taste better and how I could put that together. Taste is really important. And so, you know, we started, we started that part of our journey and everywhere I met, I met someone who lost someone you know, serendipitously or, you know, being vulnerable to, to listen and ask the questions. But um, I also ended up meeting like an Andean philosopher, uh, a shaman, a Indonesian healer, and some of the world's leading scientists in gynecology and obstetrics from, you know, from uh, New Zealand and Germany. I mean, it was really just, I mean, I say God's hand was in it every step of the way. And uh, that 
as a result of that, I naturally reversed, with God's grace, naturally reversed menopause and became pregnant at 41 with the daughter I was told I would never, the child I was told I would never be able to have. And naturally, after failing round after, and you have to imagine my mind blown as a gynecologist and obstetrician who's given infertility diagnosis, especially premature infertility, there's no, 38, 39, there's no reversing that. I mean, you don't talk about reversing that. And so it was, it was fascinating to me. And so that part of the journey just, you know, I dug in and when I, I was pregnant and, um, and I you know, came back to my practice after my sabbatical and just wanted to give everyone the tools that I'd recognize and the hope that their diagnosis is not their destiny, right? Their diagnosis is not their destiny. Their prescription is not their description. It doesn't define them and it's not, you know, it, it's not something that they have to rely on. And that's what I want my patients. That's what I wanted women to know. I want them to take the power back over their own body. And that led me on this mission to, um, to write, to teach, to educate, to create um, solutions naturally. So, so my doctor's bag was empty. That's the short story. <laughs> Hey everyone, it's Yasmin here. In 2020, I was struggling with some debilitating health stuff. I just got off birth control and suddenly I had acne, mood swings, breast tenderness, and really painful periods. I tried so many things, but the one thing that worked was something called seed cycling. I know you're probably thinking, seed cycling? What the heck is that? It's a natural way to support your hormones using four specific seeds throughout your cycle. The challenge is that seed cycling can be a little complicated to do and kind of time consuming. So I decided to make an organic seed cycling product that is so easy to use. We make it effortless for anyone to get started today. It's called Bia and it's a super easy way to add something powerful to your diet to support your hormones, regulate your cycle and bring back balance. To learn more about Bia and join our community with thousands of incredible women all over the world, go to BiaWellness.com and that's spelled B-E-E-Y-A Wellness.com and check out the show notes for our promo code to get get $10 off your first purchase. Thanks so much for listening. And now let's get back to today's episode. Wow. Uh, thank you for sharing that with us. That's such a, a, a journey that you've been on and heartbreak and also beautiful at the same time. And it makes me emotional. Sorry, everyone. I'm like in my luteal phase. So I'm like on the verge of tears. Um, but you talked about so many different things that I want to get into there. Uh, one thing that you mentioned was that your doctor diagnosed you with, was it early menopause initially? What is early menopause? And there's also premature menopause. So what are those two? What's the difference and what are the causes? Yeah. So typically before age 40 is premature menopause. And early menopause is typically that time from 40 to 45 years old. So premature menopause is my initial diagnosis. And, um, and so that's, that's a fine line there. The thing is like, what we know is the average age of menopause is around age 52, 50, seem like more 51 lately, plus or minus several years. Now smokers and will go through menopause earlier, age 42. Interestingly enough, women with endometriosis also go through an earlier menopause. And so you think of these hormone disruptors that are affecting our bodies, our natural ovarian, our natural hormone production. I heard you talk about obesogens and endocrine disruptors, and we touched on environmental toxins before, but what are obesogens? 
So obesogens are basically hormone disruptors that create a metabolic dysfunction that disturb your metabolism and create obesity by creating insulin resistance and leptin resistance. So you're hungrier more often. Like I have a a friend who's an amazing colleague and, and physician in the integrative health space, a leader. She's been so leptin resistant. She says, I never feel satisfied when I eat. So leptin is the hormone of satiety and ghrelin is a hunger hormone. So when you're leptin resistant, you never feel satisfied. And I'm curious, you've mentioned throughout this interview, just the power of the keto green diet, you know, in your own life and how you're preaching that to so many of your clients. What is, what is that? What's a keto green diet and how is that different than conventional keto that so many of us hear about? Yeah. So, and this is, you know, one thing I I studied keto diet when my um, first daughter, my daughter, Brittany was 20, she had seizures. And so dug into understanding what's causing the seizures, but you know, nothing organic. So what can we do to help? And recognize that a ketogenic diet could definitely help. So this was way back in 2000, something like that. Um, and 2005, I think was her first seizure. And so, so that's where I started studying keto and I started using it in my neurologic patients, of course, low carbohydrate diets in my Canada patients. So when I was struck, like I lost, you know, I'd lost over 80 pounds, was able to keep that off with a lifestyle and habit changes that incorporated this kind of pre keto green way. And then I hit perimenopause again. So I reversed it till about age 48. And he started with the hormone swings and the physiologic shifts and the hot flashes and all of this other stuff again. And I was like, and the weight gain, despite not doing anything different, that was the big one. That was the, you know, we say the straw that broke the camel's back, having been well over, you know, 240 pounds and lost that weight and kept it off. And now to gain 20 pounds, basically overnight without doing anything different, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to be 300 pounds before this, you know, before this stops. I mean, what's, you know, what's going on? And, you know, really humbled me because my patients in perimenopause, menopause would come in and say, Dr. Anna, I'm gaining five, 10, 20 pounds and I'm not doing anything different. And of course I'd be like, well, let me check your thyroid. Let me check this. But, um, you know, on the inside, I'm like, sure, you're not doing anything different. You're more sedentary, you're eating an extra protein bar or something. And, um, and so it really humbled me. And I was like, oh my gosh. So I immediately went keto. And that's when I recognized that I was very acidic. I didn't like how I felt. And I felt like I was hitting a wall. And at that point, I was a single mom because I didn't understand the cortisol oxytocin connection early enough to save my marriage. So that was a piece of it, certainly. And, um, and so the, um, so I started like, I, I was like, I did what I told my patients to check your pH because your, your body just didn't, I didn't feel right. Men have 10 times as much testosterone as women. So keto for men is a lot easier and sustainable with, because they have 10 times as much testosterone, anabolic steroid, women don't. And so we have to focus on the alkalinizers, the greens, the minerals, and the, you know, the dietary habits, the intermittent fasting that really makes a difference. So when I checked my urine pH at this point, it was as acidic as the pH paper read, meaning basically it was peeing acid. And, um, and that is inflammation. For me, that was an aha moment. And what I understood is 
that I needed to add the alkalinizers to the greens. And that's when I realized, you know, as I started checking my urine pH, and I have my patients do this too, all throughout the, every time you go use the bathroom, find out what's making you acidic, what's making you alkaline. There are natural things that can make your urine acidic, like um, a good workout, but there are toxic thoughts and stress, like driving and traffic that can make your urine acidic. And so just recognizing the the pH changes and, and start to recognize that so you can shift your physiology and your mindset, and especially in high stress situations and diet. So it's the, it's a, it's a nutrition and lifestyle. And, um, and, and that's where the keto green came around and why, how I recognize the importance of alkalinizing foods and lifestyle practices in addition to getting into ketosis. Because as I recognized this, I was getting into keto just to lose weight. But as I got into the state where I was in both ketosis and in um, an alkaline urine pH, my brain was like on fire. Like it was alert. I was... Um, more focused. My memory was better. I was more productive. I could, you know, I would, I just had the peace and also the peace that surpasses all understanding. It talks about that in the Bible and my life was chaotic. Nothing had changed, but my physiology changed my physiology and my habits changed. So I could experience an internal reset an internal peace that was just so, it was just so empowering. And that's, and the reason that's so important is, and why that happens, why getting into ketosis helps the brain, especially in women in perimenopause and menopause, is because gluconeogenesis in the brain, in other words, the brain's ability to use and make glucose for fuel is hormone dependent, estrogen, probably progesterone dependent. So as that declines, our brain is actually starving for fuel. So it wants more glucose, it wants more food, it wants more sugar, and you've got this brain fog and inflammation and aches and pains. It's like the perfect storm when you just have to shift and go into keto green, intermittent fasting, low carb, high quality protein, healthy fats, get into ketosis, check, don't guess. And, um, and then you've got this clarity because the use of ketones for fueling the brain, the brain will use glucose or ketones. So the use of ketones for fueling the brain is not hormone dependent. So in this, especially in perimenopause, all those symptoms, the brain fog, the mood swings, the anxiety, the restlessness, all go away, all go away. Wow. So this is great. And not to call out my husband, I don't think he'll listen to this, but I'm just going to call him out anyway. He was on a very uh, sort of traditional type of keto diet for a long, long time. And I think initially he started to see like the weight come off and this, and then he hit a plateau. He got his blood work. Inflammatory markers were a little bit up. And I kept telling him like, where are all of your greens? Like you're not eating vegetables. You're not even having any, like a little bit of fruit here and there. You're not having any of that stuff. It's primarily like Franken keto foods or like eggs or meat or this or that. So this is something we really worked on with him. So I want, for anybody who's listening to this, who's feeling the same way, what does a typical day on the keto green diet look like? Yeah. And I'll tell you, and I'll also tell you that my, you know, my first book is the hormone fix. Second is keto green 16. You guys can do that together. And, um, then menu pause menu pause is also five different food plans that each pause something because people get stuck in doing, you know, whatever their keto camp, their paleo camp, their vegan camp. So this is about changing it up in a very 
holistic food is medicine type of way. And I think that's really important to recognize. It works for a while and then you get stuck and he's not alone, right? And so a typical day, say for example, my God, what did we had? We had our Be a, Be a Wellness shake this morning mixed with a keto green shake and a couple scoops of Mighty Maca Plus. So that was me and my daughter, Amira. We had that this morning in between like around broke, breaking fast around 10 a.m. Again, my morning ritual, I wake up, do some type of activity exercise after I get my daughter to school. And, um, and of course I do before I wake up, before I get out of bed, I do my, uh, three questions and then, um, and then work out, have my, uh, shake. So it's a keto green shake, low carb, high in protein, add in, add, maybe added some MCT oil to it. Sometimes I'll add an avocado and that's it. Um, and then had, uh, for our early, early lunch dinner, we had filet mignon that was our, on a bed of greens with tomatoes because we have a friend who's coming this is this is terrible we have a friend who's coming to stay i told you girls before we started this beautiful young mom and her child are going to come stay with us for a while and she's vegan i'm like girls we're having this filet mignon come on let's cook it up and <laughs> with a salad and um and green so that's a perfect keto green meal and tonight tonight i might eat a salad or something or uh, but or or bone broth or another shake or nothing for the rest of the the day so that's that's typical two two or three meals a day very low in carbs um you want the diversity so in the salad there's the broccoli sprouts there's some sometimes we'll use sauerkraut or kimchi or um, vinegar and and olive oil as the dressing so you're adding thinking fermentation salt fat protein and that's a that's a really good combination to have together and would you make any changes for women in their reproductive years based on like kind of what you laid out, would you recommend that or would you recommend anything a little bit differently for those in that phase? So really this is for any age Like you know, I have a house full of, of women, so I can put them on keto green, but their pre-menstrual time period there, you know, that's more carbs. That's when you want to add up, add your sweet potatoes, add some legumes, you know, you want to, you can carb up during that time too. And, uh, you know, again, there's the whole flexibility. I always say it's 10% fasting, 80% keto green and 10% feasting. Although again, house of gourmands and chefs, and we may do 20 to 30% feasting. So we've got that down. <laughs> Listening to your body and become in tune with it. And I think that's where women um, have been um, severely mismanaged is by not recognizing the natural menstrual cycle and how it affects them. And it's important to really be in tune with that. Absolutely. I want to talk a little bit more about maca for anyone who's not familiar with it. It's a part of your keto green. Is it a powder? It's part of my mighty maca plus powder. Mighty maca plus powder. Okay. What is maca? Who is it for? Is it is, are there people who should stay away from it and how can it be used? Yeah. So I've never used my a maca just by itself because number one, I couldn't stand the taste. And so I'd created this formulation as part of my journey around the world. But um, part of that healing journey was in Peru. And when I was in Peru, they would say, you know, you're infertile, drink maca, right? And, and hence it's the Peruvian Viagra. So, you know, we're drinking some maca. And, um, and it was used by the ancient Incans. It only grows above at high altitudes. So the high altitudes in the Andes, and it's like a root essentially, like, you know, in the tuber family, but it's actually in the 
cruciferous vegetable family. So right away, you think cruciferous vegetables, good breast health, good hormone balancing. And so maca is, is in that family. And it is was used by the ancient Incan warriors to give them strength and stamina as they went into battle. So it was one of their very healing foods and Peruvians are very proud of it. Low breast cancer rates, you know, really good fertility rates. Maca is, a, is a, one of those superfoods. And, um, and it has its own proteins called macaines that are unique. It's rich in arginine. Arginine increases your body's natural production of nitric oxide, which increases blood flow, which is how Viagra works, hence the name Peruvian Viagra. It's part of the composition. It is an adaptogenic, like um, adrenal adaptogen, genetic adaptogen. So when you're in high stress or completely exhausted, it will help. It, it really does help support you in balance. And what we've seen with the combination, again, because I only I use this clinically in my practice, we would see with Mighty Maca Plus an increase in DHEAS, which is your adrenal hormone, by as much as 70 to 200% in two months, taking two to three scoops a day. I mean, that is significant. There was no other adrenal protocol that I used that gave those, those results. So, so I think it's the combination. My Mighty Maca Plus is 30 superfoods, and it's a combination of the different macas, just like they grow in the fields in Peru. And so that's how I started with it, and um, that's, how, that's how I use it in this combination. So I think like with anything who shouldn't use it is, you know, is, is to, you know, trust your body's response to it. For some women is if they have PMS, it really helps balance that out because we see a natural improvement in progesterone with using Mighty Maca Plus. So we've seen, we have increased fertility with increased levels of progesterone as well. And so we've got lots of Mighty Maca babies and beautiful testimonies around that. And, um, but you have to see how your body responds to it in general. So for um, some, the, some women who are really um, estrogen sensitive, then they may notice, they may notice a little more, um, depends on how much they're taking it, they may notice a little more sensitivity premenstrually. But that is very rare. That is very rare. So I would say always listen to your body. And what I've really dug into breast health research around maca and found it to be very, very safe and very ben beneficial. How about for somebody who has high DHEA or PCOS? Yeah, so definitely good for PCOS because of the adaptogenic nature and the ability to detox. So in my Mighty Maca Plus, there's milk thistle, there's greens, there's flaxseed, there's enzymes, there's, you know, um, plant extracts and fruit extracts. So there's a combination of things. It's not just by itself. So I've, I, again, and I can see improvements in the improvements in insulin sensitivity with it. So that's a and glucose control. So in that way, the combination is really beneficial. But again, I never use straight maca. And I have a question. We've talked, we keep saying the word adaptogen for someone who's listening. They're like, Dr. Anna, what is an adaptogen? Can I, can you kind of share a bit more about the magic behind it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a really good question. So uh, when we use the word adaptogen, it means like, like that ability to adapt, you're adapting to a change, you're adjusting. And so when we talk about genetic adaptogens like turmeric, quercetin, resveratrol, they have an adaptogenic effect too. So um, the same with maca. When we use this term, it means that whether it's, um, 
you're like essentially whether you're in overdrive or underdrive or whether you are predisposed to a certain genetic pathway or not it's a it's a great leveler it's like leveling or evening evening out the playing field type thing if you think of it that way um yeah that's the best way i can describe it I love that. And what would you say? I know maca is like the superstar and I'm excited to get your maca and have it every day now. What would you say are maybe the second or third of your favorite um, adaptogens that you would recommend to clients or anyone listening? I oh mean, definitely turmeric. Hands down, turmeric. I love turmeric. I love to cook with it. I love to, I love the smell of it. I love the flavors of it. I, I mean, I just... I just love turmeric and I would, and the other one, not necessarily considered an adaptogen, but it absolutely is, is garlic. Oh my gosh, you think about this. You think about this medicinal, more of a medicinal food, garlic. Think who was the first person who saw this smelly, you know, vegetable in the ground and thought, okay, let's use this, right? It was definitely a medicinal food. And I think, I think garlic is just, is, is just genius. It's genius. So I would put that in the the feel, but you know, yeah. So I would put that in, uh, in my favorites in general, but is it really an adaptogen? I don't know. Well, luckily I love all three of those things. So, <laughs> so um, good. yeah, so good. I want to kind of go a little bit more into perimenopause and menopause because I think these are times where women can kind of feel like almost suddenly, sometimes not suddenly, things change. Their sex drive goes down, their hair changes, their weight changes, their sleep changes. It just feels like maybe they don't feel like themselves. And um, I kind of want to know, what can they do at this time to really reclaim their vitality, reclaim their sexual health? Because it doesn't have to be so horrible, right? (laughs) No, no, absolutely. And I think it's that whole thing is like, you know, I have this um, card that I put in packages sometimes and it says self-love is your highest frequency and self-care and self-love go hand in hand. And when we're in perimenopause, so many of us are wearing many hats. We're wearing our mom hat, friend hat, you know, partner hat, boss hat, whatever it may be, right? We have so many hats that we're wearing and then our, our buckets are emptying out rapidly. And so when we are not interested, when we are feeling disconnected, that's a first red flag that oxytocin's low. So like self-care, self-love is to give yourself, do things that you enjoy doing, is to reflect on that. And especially when it comes to sexual health, I mean, sexual, our sexuality and sexual pleasure is a way we increase oxytocin. And when we're like saying no more often than yes, then we have to, you know, under, and we're in a good relationship. We love our partner and, and that's part of it. So I think that's important to step back and say, well, what's, what's going on? How, what are the reasons that I'm disconnected or I'm not, I don't have desire. And I, I lecture on this. I lecture on women's sexual health and have trained physicians around the world on this topic because it's, it's so important to quality of life for women. And it's so ubiquitous. 70% of women have a low, considered low sex drive or decrease in libido or issues with libido. And so what it comes down to is three things. It's the, it's either Um, you know, certainly issues of desire, what's going on with desire, disconnect, relationship disconnect can be physiologic versus the relationship strife. And it can be discomfort. 
If you have discomfort every time you do something, why would you want to do it? So whether it's from dryness or from a bad episiotomy or from urinary infections or odor, vaginal odor after having sex, I mean, all those are negative feedback on why we'd want to, you know, why would we want to have sex if we have that every time? And it's so true, and especially perimenopause, menopause and beyond. And it's um, really want women to know that there's something we can do for all three of those reasons, for all three of those issues. It's why I created my product, Jolva, which is my over-the-counter cream for the vulva. And it's I call it the first vulvar cosmetic ever, ever made and uh, so important for vulvar health and physiology and sexual health. So it, because it naturally restoring, naturally anti-aging, naturally restoring your moisture, comfort, sensitivity, and orgasm, that's powerful, but also helps with continence. And that bladder leaking that can happen post, I mean, I delivered four big babies. I know all of this personally and professionally. And, you know, when my doctor's bag was empty, I needed to find something to fix it. So that's part of it. And those are things that can disrupt a woman's receptivity to sexual intimacy and pleasure in, in perimenopause and menopause. And then the whole thing that we talked about with oxytocin and cortisol, that con that connection issue. Now it can be physiologic and not relational, but we have to fix it. And then the whole desire, there are many reasons that I created a program called Sexual CPR, very holistic program, very fun name, Sexual CPR to bring your, you know, life back into your sex life. And, um, and that is, it's multifactorial when we look at desire. And, you know, is it medications that we're on, like antihistamines, for instance, can completely dry you up and decrease your desire, antidepressants, you know, same thing. And so looking at those, those three areas, desire, disconnect, and discomfort, those are typically the three things that we need to address. And we're worth it. We need to address that. We're worth investigating it, worth spending time. Our families, our relationship, our own self-love and appreciation and, 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 and you know, worthiness of joy and pleasure is it's just, it's just so good. It's worth it. We are worth it. So beautiful. I am just so impressed by you, Dr. Anna, just everything that you've created to just support women. I'm so excited. We're definitely going to include all of this in the show notes. And I have a random question that just comes to mind as you're speaking. You know, you talk about your life before you went on your journey and had all this trauma and kind of discovered this new way of living. And you were, you were back then a conventional OBGYN. Like when you came back as this new person, back into your old clinic, seeing your own patients, but you had this whole different perspective. Did people think like, where did you go? Like, are you crazy? Because I just love hearing OBGYNs like you speak this way because everything is so holistic and interrelated. So did people think like you just lost it back in the day? Oh my gosh. Yeah. And, and I was already a little on the edge because I was already an osteopathic physician, but trained at Emory. And I would do deliveries in very dark light, you know, very dim light. I'm like, there's no sense in shocking a baby's nervous. I already do labored my patients. That was unheard of, you know, I mean, like ridiculous stuff that was happening in our small Georgia town, um, industrializing maternity and labor and delivery. It's terrible. But, um, but definitely with, with supplementation, with bioidentical hormones, I got a lot of criticism. I got a lot of criticism and, um, but that's okay. I always say, you know, I've been to hell and back. You can't fuck with me, you know? I feel really passionately about women who want to get pregnant, being able to get pregnant. It's something that I just think about and care about deeply. And I want to ask you, 
if there's anybody who's listening who was told the same thing that you were told, that they can't have kids, they can't have babies, like you're headed into menopause, there's unexplained infertility, there's really not much we can do. What would you say to them? Okay, there's always hope. You know, first things first is we have to understand why. What's the underlying reason? Because there's, there's a reason. Our bodies are designed to carry uh, pregnancy. You know, like what's going on? What's the hormone disruption? What is there a physical issue that we need to address? I mean, what's going on? And then I would say, if that's your hope, that's your heart, I mean, don't let anyone tell you differently. But create a body that is optimum for pregnancy. Create the healthiest body you can create, you know, and open yourself up with your thought, your mind, your spirit to that loving connection. And in one way or another, you will receive it. Maybe not the traditional way through your own, maybe, but in another way, someone becomes your own. And I've seen that over and I'm just going to cry thinking about the, some of the people that, you know, I've seen these miracles happen. So you have, have to create a body that is open, welcome, and loving to this new soul. And one way or another, you will receive it. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. That's so beautiful. Um, you know, I'm going to shift and kind of talk about one thing that comes a lot with our customers at BS, especially those that are in perimenopause and menopause is hot flashes. We hear this quite a bit and women are just complaining. What are causing hot flashes? And, your, and from your perspective, what are some things that we can do that maybe we haven't touched upon yet? I know we talked about a lot already to help with specifically hot flashes. Yeah, definitely. There's a, a few things. So one of the things that I recognized like in doing my magic menopause program, which I launched in 2014 online because I'd gone through menopause and then reversed it again for the second, you know, the second time with my keto green way. So I brought that online and patients, women, the clients, customers, I never prescribed for them or anything. They uh, were following the Keto Green Way and say, Dr. Ann, I've been dealing with hot flashes for 10 years and now they're gone completely in two weeks. They're completely gone. And a couple things that we were doing was certainly the Keto Green. So you're becoming more insulin sensitive. And I had them on Mighty Maca. It's part of the Magic Menopause program and my Keto Green Shake. So there was supplementation there. And, um, and so I dug into the research. I'm like, what, like insulin's got to have something to do with hot flashes. And sure enough, there's so much research that looked at that insulin resistant is associated with unrelenting hot flashes, independent of estrogen loss, independent of estrogen loss. So that insulin resistance increases hot flashes. So that was, and that's one of the things that, you know, it's so important to understand that that's why you know, the keto green lifestyle. And then Mighty Maca, I think because it's adaptogenic, it has flaxseed, maca, and other uh, superfoods in there, that helps with hot flashes too. We've used it in breast cancer patients that couldn't take anything else. And, and so the combination's really powerful to get rid of hot flashes. And then sometimes we still need, we, we need estrogen on board. We need progesterone, estrogen, DHEA, menopause and postmenopausally. Well, I'm definitely going to go to your website and order your products after this, um, especially the maca one. I'm excited about that. Oh, you'll love it. You'll love it. I'm going to send you guys some and we'll send, uh, we'll have a free trial link. Just pay a small amount for shipping and handling. So we'll send that to you guys too. Amazing. Well, thank you, Dr. Anna, for jumping on and chatting with us about this. I know it's going to help so many women. So we super appreciate you. Uh, my pleasure. Thank you for all you're doing. Loved being here with you ladies. You've got great hearts. Thank you. Oh, right back at you.